Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of in-the-trenches, tell-it-like-it-is reality therapy for personal, business, and real estate investing success. With your hosts, powerpreneurs, Angela Thomas and Ron Phillips, it's time to get real. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. I'm Ron Phillips here with Heather Marchant. Hello. Welcome. Man, this is work today. So on this program, we talk about real estate. We talk about business. We talk about life and kind of how they all merge. And boy, today, we're going to talk about all three. We may piss some people off, um, but I think the majority of the folks, I hope this is eye-opening to everybody on here because a lot of you listening are own real estate or want to own real estate or own businesses. And we're going to talk about today, this This should concern everyone who is a capitalist and not a socialist. I, I'm just guessing, Heather, most of the people who listen to this show are not socialists. We may have a few. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't attract socialists with our content. So Probably won't. But <laughs> if you're listening, you're probably going to get pissed off today. I'm just going to warn you. That that's likely going to happen. So get ready for that. So funny. Um, last night I was I was in bed uh, and I was reading Facebook, which is by the way not a good thing to do right before bed <laughs> for so many reasons, but not the least of which you don't want to get pissed off right before bed. And yes. doing that anyway, especially right now with all of this craziness going on with with our politics, but. Uh, a friend of uh, both of ours and a client of ours posted an article and I I'm not, I wasn't floored because this doesn't really shock me coming out of California anymore. Nothing really shocks me coming out of California anymore. But this is over the top. And this article, there's three articles we're going to talk about today, but this basic concept is that that and there's a massive movement. So I think most people, hopefully this opens people's eyes to what's really going on. So there is a concerted national movement, but they're smart. They're not making a national play. They're doing it city by city. But this is well-funded, well-organized, and it is to take away private property rights through rent control and all kinds of other things, uh, other regulations for landlords. But this one actually blew my mind. I mean, Heather, I mean, one of them, where do we live? Is this turning into freaking the Soviet Union or something? The yes. Old, not, even the, not even like Russia today. This is like old 1980s style Soviet Union. In yeah. The stuff I read about as a kid that I thought would never happen on American soil. <laughs> it's crazy. This is ludicrous. So... <clears throat> Headline of this story that our mutual buddy posted. LA leaders weigh a new idea to halt rent hikes, which, you know, if you're a tenant sick of paying rent and having your rent increase, just out of the gate, you're going, yes. Yeah. This is exactly what should be happening, right? This is for me. Next, they force landlords to sell their buildings. Are you freaking kidding me right now? going to force landlords to sell their buildings. Uh, this is, and the story just goes nuts. So there's a city councilman, Gil Cedillo, and his idea 
to keep rents low in his district is to force this landlord in Chinatown. So there's one particular building that they're talking about here to sell his building to the city. With eminent domain. It's crazy. So this dude's agency, they oversee sidewalk repairs, street, street repaving. You know, it's the board of public works. Right. So they want to use this committee wants to use eminent domain to take a 124 unit apartment building from this guy, Thomas Botts. Who's been towing the line and following the rent control laws for 30 years, right? So if you're you're spending all this time working to control your rents for 30 years and then say, okay, I'm ready to raise my rents. I've done what you've asked. And then to say, hey, you know what? <laughs> we're just, we're just going to take your building. <laughs> remember, that, remember that investment you made? Remember that deal we struck 30 years ago? Remember that? where you ran all of your numbers and you thought, yeah, I'll go on this ride with you. I'll provide some low income housing and I'm going to do it all in the auspices that in 30 years, the building is mine. I will have paid for the whole thing. I'm out of your silly loan that you gave me. And the deal says I can raise my rents to market rent. It's my building, right? You can do whatever I want. Now, this is all over 59 units too. So, you're only supposed to keep 59 of the units affordable. Now he has the ability to raise his rents and they're saying, oh, no, wait a second. We don't think we don't think you should be able to do that now after 30 years. Well, one thing that is so strange to me is that they had this deal for 30 years and there was no plan to unravel it at the end, right? Because he obviously he's going to want to raise rents and they said, well, homelessness, these people aren't going to be able to afford it. But <laughs> where where's the plan, you know, for a 30 year plan, you should have had some kind of issue for gradually increasing rents the last few years or something. Well, and this Cedillo guy, he wasn't even around 30 years ago. So here comes new dude. Yeah. Right. He's like, I'm elected now. I'm going to, I'm on this committee now. I'm going to, I'm just going to change the rules on this guy. I mean, this is so un-American. I can't even tell you. A, we have one of the main things of being an American and being free is to own your property, yep. property rights. And the government should not be able to take your property because they think they know what to do better with it than you do. Mind uh, blown. I can't, I can't even believe that it's not, he's not, wasn't laughed out of the meeting. <laughs> well, in California, <laughs> yeah. I, listen, you people who are listening in California, I, I, seriously do not understand how you keep electing these people. Yeah. I'm, this is insane to me. Now, I, I, didn't, I didn't tell Heather I was going to talk about this, but this, I, I just saw this the other day. Grant Cardone did a, an interview on a news channel. I can't remember which news oh, channel. I saw it, yeah. And I posted it on Facebook, and I just, he, he moved away from California. He loves California. He's lived there for, you know, years and years. But they kept raising the taxes, And so finally, he was like, look, that's enough. I mean, the sunshine and the weather is only worth so much. So he picks up, moves to Florida, where they have zero state income tax. At the time, he had, I can't remember, he had like 12 employees or something at the time. He was having a hard time growing his business because he's getting the crap taxed out of him the whole time. And he moves down to Florida, and now he has 150 employees. He's grown massively. Yeah. And he attributes it to the fact that he can use the money that he was giving to the government to expand his enterprise. And what does that do? Creates jobs. Yes. 
<laughs> it's it's not rocket science too. And he said, I mean, I'm, I might as well have, offer more jobs to people and grow an economy in that aspect than just be robbed in taxes year after year. So here's here's the next one, right? Here's the next one. So right after that, which is a good segue into this article about New York City. I mean, it's so this thing starts off by saying, by every measure, 2019 was terrible for those in the business of owning and selling multifamily properties. Now, everywhere else, like multifamily is booming. So to have, while everyone else is booming, to have your city suck during 2019, uh, that should tell everyone something. Yeah. The dollar value of purchases across all boroughs fell 40%, 40% in one year. That's crazy. It's astronomical. Yeah. So why? Why? Here it is. Apartments fell out of favor for investors last year as they digested New York's new rent law, which governs about 1 million apartments in the city. The overhaul took direct aim at landlords' income by making it almost impossible to raise rents, remove units from state regulation, or even recoup the cost of capital improvements. So ridiculous. No. You yeah, ask city. Why, why would a city, why would New York City do this? I mean, if you were them, what would you tell everyone else the reason you are doing this? Yes. To help people be able to afford housing because you need to be able to have affordable housing to grow an economy, right? So people can move and, and live in your city and afford to live there. I mean, but it, and obviously they don't think through the long-term impact because if you can't afford to have capital improvements on your property, you're going to end up having a rundown apartment building that's an eyesore and your whole city is going to start deteriorating like you see in movies for crying out loud or the oh. Soviet Union. So let's just let's just define capital improvements for a second. Okay, maybe somebody listening who doesn't own apartments and they they don't do their taxes this way and they don't know what a capital improvement is. Capital improvement is you have a building and it ages, right? Buildings buildings age. Like if you bought a, I mean, some of these buildings in New York City are really old, yeah. and there's just things that need to be updated and improved to keep your building from falling apart, literally falling apart, crumbling, right? When you spend that money, it's a capital expenditure. Where it says here that they, they remove to recoup the costs of capital improvements. That means on my taxes, when I spend money to improve my building, I can't expense it. I can't recoup the money that I'm putting into the property to make it better for the people who these morons are saying they're trying to help. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. You can live with less, cheaper rent, but in a building that's going to start crumbling. So here's the other problem, right? In capitalistic society everywhere, but especially when capitalism is involved, it is a supply and a demand thing. If you have no supply or low supply, what happens to the prices, people? They go up. They go up, yeah. If you have more supply, then the prices naturally decline. So let's run through the logic real quick. What we've done here by enacting these, these laws is make apartment buildings fall out of favor for investors. Guess who buys apartment buildings, people? Investors buy apartment buildings. <laughs> Unless you're in California, 
in which case the government is now forcibly buying apartment buildings. And I can see now in, in New York, they're going to go, oh, that's a really good idea. Maybe we'll just start forcibly buying these things and then we'll run them as well as we run the DMV and the people will have worse housing than they have now. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should have a blood pressure cuff on you, Ron, just for this conversation. This kind of stuff <laughs> is so insane. But you know what, Ron? It sounds good. That's the thing. For a politician to stand up in front of a microphone and explain how he's the hero in saving people money, then he it's it just sounds better than being able to explain the logic behind. But eventually your building will deteriorate and all of that. It doesn't sound as sexy is the word we used the other day as to say, guess what? I just saved you money, right? I mean, as a politician, that's that's what you got to do. Stay elected. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm old fashioned, but I think the way you stay elected is to tell people the truth. Yeah. The truth is that if you do something dumb like this, it hurts the very people that you claim you care about helping. That's in reality what happens. Because let's go through this for just a second. I own an apartment building in New York City, and they just handcuffed me now. I cannot, I can't change the pricing, which means I can't sell my building. Buildings went down 40%. I'm not going to sell now, right? I can't increase the, the value of my building by, by raising rents or making improvements to the property. So my people are going to live in the squalor because I can't I can't expense any of the repairs, so I'm not going to make them as an investor. It makes zero sense financially to do that, right? It makes no sense for outside money to come in and buy dilapidated buildings and fix them up now either because I can't raise the rents. It completely demolishes the, in the investor market for this type of real estate investment. And so when the money goes away, it's just like Grant Cardone's money going away to Florida. Mm -hmm. That tax revenue that the state of California was getting now moved. It's gone. And that's exactly what happens to the money that would be invested or injected into New York City when you do dumb things like this. Yeah. All for the sake of, of power and getting elected, which you are absolutely right about, Heather. Yeah. It's, it's really unnerving that it, that it can continue and is going to continue, right? I think, and I think uh, constituents aren't educated in the long-term effects of it. They see the short-term. It's a short-term thing versus a long-term thing. In the first few years, maybe the capital expenditures won't be needed. Maybe 10 years, you know, the, the investor can get by without making repairs, but eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. And then there's going to be, oh, well, shoot, <laughs> what are we going to do now? You know, go back and change a law. In both of these markets. So I think there's, there's, another, there's another thing that I think most people in the, in the country, maybe most of the people listening to, to this say is, well, I'm just not going to invest in New York. I'm not going to invest in LA. And I'm probably not going to invest in Seattle. Those places are complete socialist and I'm not going to invest there. This is a national movement. And you're not going to hear about what's happening in Indianapolis and in Cleveland and in Cincinnati and all over the Midwest and the South. This is a nationally run, very well-funded and organized group or multiple groups who are going about making these changes in cities 
And they're doing it because landlords are disorganized, right? We're, we're not a big, in most of these marketplaces, we're not a strong group where we can actually go in and say, hey, wait a second, this yeah. is really what's going to happen. And they're, they're ramming this stuff through. And supposedly it's good for everybody. That's not exactly what happens because when, when you actually start doing rent control, you have those negative um, things that I already talked about. But if I own property and I can no longer rent it on the regular open market, well, then I'm just going to find another solution. And in some of these markets like New York and LA and other places, it may be, it may benefit me to knock the thing down and build something that I can rent. Office space, maybe. Mm-hmm. It may move me to start renting Airbnb mm-hmm. or some other kind of non-controlled forms of, of accommodations, you know? And, and how does that help anybody? Airbnb is more expensive. Yeah. Do we need more offices and condos? Who knows? You know, maybe I sell these uh, owner finance to people, you know, condo them out. Uh, and does that help people who can't buy? It, it doesn't. It yeah. reduces the supply again, which, which increases, folks, that increases the price. So what's the, what's the actual solution here? In these marketplaces where there's not enough property, what's the freaking solution? Yeah, it's, not, it's not rocket science. You just need more property. <laughs> I can tell you why. Heather, why is it so? Why are there not more units being built in, in Southern California and L.A.? Well, the laws, I mean, we don't have our investors invest there. It was to build something there. Yeah. It kind of perpetuates itself with all of the problems. It's just going to make it worse, not better. So we, I mean, one with our clients, I'm always saying like the areas we have don't have, they're, they are landlord friendly states is what we call it, you know? So versus tenant friendly like this, where they're looking out for the tenants first and not the landlords. So, so if you're in one of those markets, which right now, most of the markets, you know, unless you're in Chicago, most of the markets in the Midwest and South, I mean, even along the East coast, South of the, you know, crazy areas, they are, they're, they're pretty friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, And even out in the West, some areas in the West are friendly as well. Yeah. But they won't be for long unless we all wake up man, we've got to wake up. We've got to come together. We've got to start fighting this stuff. And we have to get a little bit more vocal because the, the, uh, the opposition side is incredibly vocal. And when they come to town, they're not making little, little signs with banners. These are professionally made signs. They pick it. They do all this stuff. They're yeah. The, it's being educated and paying attention to the local, um, propose laws to make sure that you're not missing out, especially on an area where you own property, but to prevent that from happening. So a friend of mine and uh, well, Caleb, you guys know uh, Caleb because he's been on the, he's been on the program. Caleb and I bought a property here in Charleston and the thing was, the thing was a, a crap hole. I mean, it was, it was horrible. These people were living in this place and I walked through it. I'm like, I, I, I can't believe that people actually live this way. Yeah. Now the rents in this you can't find rents as low as this place was being rented in this area. Okay. It, you, you can't find it. Rents on these two bedroom units were between $250 a month and like $550 a month. What? You can't find anything in Charleston anywhere for those prices, right? Yeah. But there's a reason why they were charging those rents because it was uninhabitable. Mm-hmm. If the city had actually come in, this city that cares, right? 
if they'd actually come in and look at those units, I would assume they would condemn the place. That's crazy. It might not have been that, but but for me, like, I, there's no way that I would feel comfortable owning a building like that and having people live there. Hmm. But for me to want to go in there and buy that building, I have to inject hundreds of thousands of dollars into that building to make it so that it is a livable of a nice place and a safe place for people to live. There was junk all over the outside of the property. The dumpster was overflowing and there was crap people had dumped all over the place, beds and mattresses and all kinds of crap everywhere. So we bought it and we go fixing this thing up, right? Complete new roof. We, we put, we painted the exterior. We, you know, we put in um, new HVACs and all, all new stuff. I mean, things look really, really nice. New flooring, new kitchens, granite countertops, all this stuff in this place that was a complete rundown trash hole. And we raised the rents to market rents. And guess what? Half the people stayed. Really? And why did they stay? This was nice. Because where else are they going to go? <laughs> where else are they going to go? They had, they had, they were paying nearly nothing. They were living basically for free. They wanted, they looked at what we were doing to the units and they said, oh my gosh, I can get that for 750 to 800 bucks. Hmm. And there's nowhere else I can go and get, and, and actually get rent for this but also get a nice place with upgraded everything now. Mm. And I could move like literally across the hall and you guys will redo this unit and move somebody else in. And now we've, we've gotten rid of the people who were making all of the mess and the nasty. And, and honestly, people, if, if, if I buy a building and someone is trashing it out and living like, like a subhuman, I don't really care where they go. I don't care. Until you learn how to treat property, I don't yeah. want you in my property. Yeah, I don't, I don't care what you pay in rent, but go learn how to actually take care of something. The people who stayed appreciate the fact that we increased the value of the property. They appreciate the fact that we actually renovated it and that it's now livable and that their kids don't have to live in squalor anymore. Yeah, no kidding. But I if think- you take away the incentive for me to do that by taking away the tax incentives for me to put in capital improvements and to be able to raise rents on a property like that, I will never buy it. Yeah. Why would you? Just admit, it wouldn't, if you're not going to make a profit in the end. <laughs> I, I was uh, thinking as you shared that, that I used to run the books for my dad's real estate business in my early 20s. And I lived in an apartment building my father owned. And everyone knew eventually that my dad owned the building. I kept it quiet because everyone <laughs> assumes they're making hand over fist and that you, you know, your your parents are like just raking it in because they take, they said, okay, well, you have, I think it was about 180-ish tenants. It was a college town. So they were renting to college girls. And you have, you know, each of them paying, I don't remember what the rent was, 750 or something per tenant. And they added up that money and assumed, yeah, I mean, that's how much money they're making. I'm like, you have no idea. I do my dad's books. You know what I mean? The, the amount of expense in owning a property. So I think at the root of this too, is also the idea and notion that investors are just killing it and that you can just reduce their income and it's no problem and that they'll be just fine because they're ultra wealthy or well off. And so um, I remember seeing that and seeing the disconnect and not being able to really explain it as, you know, the owner's daughter, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's they, a problem. They see the income. They don't have any idea what the expenses yeah. are. No. You know, 
and they don't understand what kind of a capital injection it takes to actually make it. So, okay, I, I wasn't given the property by somebody. Mm-hmm. I wasn't given the money to inject in the property by somebody, right? That's it's actually, you know, I, I did my day job and I saved my money up and I went and put it into a property to make it better for other people. And, and now, you know, there's an education process, I guess, that needs to occur. And that's why I'm telling people, we need to actually voice, we're usually quiet. Mm-hmm. It's the loud, angry people out there, the eat the rich crowd that are following Bernie Sanders and all of his lunacy, that we've got to get at least loud enough that people can hear the other side. We don't have to be angry like them, but we do have to say, look, yeah. This is not what's being, this is actually the opposite of what's being reported here. It doesn't work that way. And it's really unfortunate that so many people are being blinded by this and blindsided by it because they just are disconnected. Yeah. But we, we as landlords or potential landlords, friends of people who are landlords, wh- whoever you are out there, business owners, just because it's not happening to your business right now doesn't mean it's not going to happen to your business because th- this, this whole movement, this is just one little piece of it. Mm-hmm. It affects all business owners and um, not just Coca-Cola, but yeah. all of us little guys. Right. And I think it's really important as Grant Cardone did the other day to educate the public about what really happens when you allow business owners, including landlords to keep more of their money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we keep some of it for ourselves, but we invest a ton of it into human capital and capital expenditures, which creates more jobs, which creates better places for people to live and everything else. Yeah. And if you can't I, tell, Heather, I do get a little bit passionate about this. <laughs> I love it. Well, I think I think a lot of it is just people misinformed or not paying attention, you know, just doing their thing. I I don't really like watching the news anymore. So paying attention to the news, the pertinent news, I guess, of what affects your business. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to listen to the news and not be, when you're a positive person and not be drugged down to that level, Mm -hmm. but we need to pay attention a little bit, a little bit, Um, enough that we can um, try to educate people about how things really, really operate because there's a big disinformation campaign. Um, and unfortunately it's working really well. So, so we've got to, we've got to get over it a little bit and start and start moving in this direction ourselves. So with that, it's probably enough ranting for today, Heather, you're right. I probably should, you know, go put the blood pressure cap on. (laughs) Well, we'll just thank John for posting the article and I'll just make sure I share it and edu- and help to bring the bring awareness to the issue rather and than just you. Yeah, thanks John for keeping me up last night. That was really great. <laughs> All right everybody. So, uh if you enjoyed the episode, give us a thumbs up. If you didn't, just move along. No <laughs> negative comments or anything like that. But go ahead if you want to. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share uh, us with your, your, your friends. So keep us a secret. You can find us at getrealestatesuccess.com. You can find our main company at rpcinvest.com. That's RP Capital, where we help people invest like this. And um, obviously, we watch out for you as well. So anyway, until next time. Thanks. See you later. 
This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.